Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I don't know if you recognize the, uh, the picture there. It says, Singing the Blues on the top. And uh, there's a guy, picture on there. His name is Guy Mitchell. Some of you may remember him. you got to go back a number of years, 1950s. A guy named Melvin Ensley wrote a song called Singing the Blues, and this guy, Guy Mitchell, uh, recorded it, and it was pretty popular back in those days. And then Paul McCartney in 1991 picked up on the song, and he redid it again, uh, of course, with a little more juice and jazz and so on than, uh, than Guy Mitchell did. But the song has a refrain, Without you, you got me singing the blues. Now, I think you understand what the blues are. It's a genre of music that tends to maybe be a sad, and uh, it has a certain kind of uh, uh, instrumentation that goes along with it, and just there's kind of a mood that's connected with it. But sometimes we, we talk about singing the blues in a figurative way to describe those times that maybe we're, we're feeling bad, we're sad, we're down, maybe even depressed. What makes you sing the blues? It might be a day when, for example, you can't find your keys, or you lost your homework, you're on your way to work, you have a flat tire. Maybe it's one of those days where it seems like everything's on top of you and you're not on top of them. But on a more serious note, we, we can have those serious blues days when Perhaps we've lost a loved one, and then those days can go on for not only days, but weeks and even years. It can be those times where maybe we've suffered some severe rejection. Somebody really important in our life has rejected us. Perhaps it can be when we're going through a time where we've lost a job, and we're, we're in transition, and we're struggling to, to find that job. It could be when we have been diagnosed, or we're suffering from a chronic illness, and it just seems like it it never lets up and we have that constant pain and it can be very depressing. It, it can be when we go through a, a depression and it just seems to not end and the darkness and the cloud are there. We're singing the blues. How do you deal with those, those blues days, those bad day blues days? You know, some people turn to alcohol and, and drugs, but of course those things don't help. Some people busy themselves because they figure, well, if I can keep my mind off, whatever it is that uh, is, is bothering me, it'll help. Some people, on the other hand, cut back on things because they feel their schedule too full and all their activities are stressing them out. People may, may do all kinds of things, from exercise to, to rest to uh, taking medication and getting counseling. I even read one time that if you're, uh, you're experiencing those bad days, what you really should do is blow bubbles. It'll make you feel like a kid, and if you're a kid, you just have fun blowing bubbles. As we consider the words of the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 5 that Mr. Carter read to us a little while ago, I believe that God, through the Apostle Paul, is giving us a, just a real insight in how to beat the bad day blues in our lives. And I'd, I'd like to think about this with you this morning. Beat the bad day blues, first of all, rejoice in the peace of God. Then boast in the glory of God, 
And finally, glory in your sufferings. What would be the worst day that you could have in life? And I don't want to put you on a downer, but I mean, I think all of us have those experiences in life that we say, man, I don't want to relive that day. What kind of day is that? Well, I'd like you to think about this. The worst day that any one of us could experience is a day in hell. There would be separated from God and his blessings, God and his love. We would have no peace, no comfort, no hope. There wouldn't be anything good. There would only be this ongoing suffering and torment and despair. That would be the worst day that any one of us could ever experience. And that is the day, and those are days that we deserve. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all came into this world infected by the sin that entered the human race back in the days of Adam and Eve. And every day in our thoughts and our words and our deeds, there are all those things that, that shouldn't be there and are and the things that should be there and they aren't. And so we deserve those wages of sin, that death, not just physical, but that separation from God, those days in hell, that everlasting torment and punishment. Just think if that's all we had to look forward to, how awful, awful, awful that would be. But then God comes along and he tells us, though, that we can rejoice in the peace of God in verses 1 and 2 of of Romans 5, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. We have been justified. I think many of you understand the word justify. It means to be declared innocent. God looks at us and declares us innocent. Now, you and I would say, well, <clears throat> if I haven't done anything wrong and God declares me to be innocent, that's just. That's justice. But what if I've done something wrong? What if I'm guilty? Then isn't that injustice? Because after all, consider some of the words that Paul uses to describe us. Powerless, powerless to please God. Ungodly speaks for itself. Sinners, we're constantly missing the target, the mark that God lays out there for us. Enemies, enemies of God. So how can God justify us? He's a holy God. Doesn't he need to have payment for sin? Doesn't he need to punish sin? Doesn't he need to have fulfillment of his law, obedience to his will? Most certainly. But as Paul says, the way that he has gotten these things is through his son, Jesus Christ. Verses 9 and 10, and actually going back to verse 8, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, his life given on the cross of Calvary to pay for our sins, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? So that, that 
death of Christ on the cross pays for our sins. It satisfies the justice of God. The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead assures us that everything has been taken care of. And as a result, God declares us to be just, to be holy in his sight. And we enjoy that through faith in Jesus Christ, the faith that God the Holy Spirit has given to us. And now the Apostle Paul says we stand in grace. I, I've pictured this in many ways, you know, as I've thought about that stand in grace. But here in Minnesota, we're, we're used to straight line winds. You know, every, every so many years we have a straight line windstorm, and once in a while we have a tornado that, that comes through. Fortunately, a lot of them miss uh, our city, but uh, we understand. And when the sirens go off or we see the storm warnings, where do we go? We go down the basement, or we go to that place that, <coughs> excuse me, has been designated to be the, the shelter where we are going to be safe. And the storm comes, and it does its thing, but there we are. We're safe in our shelter. We're sh safe in the basement, wherever it is. And in the same way, in Christ, we stand in grace, even though we deserve to have the the punishment of God, the justice of God, the condemnation that God proclaims in his law. We have been justified, so as a result, we are at peace with God because when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And now we can boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. We can boast, we can rejoice, we can glory in, in the fact that um, we have peace with God and that reconciliation where it just means to make peace between God and us and that's what Christ has done. I can remember when I was young, I always had this fear, what if I die one day and I don't have the opportunity to say, God, I'm sorry for my sins, forgive me for Jesus' sake. My, my mother always told me, you know, you're never going to live past the age of 12. And, and I, it came close a few times to coming true. But I used to think, what if I die and I don't get to say those words? And maybe you've had that fear also in your life. In spite of the sins that we commit every day in our weakness and ignorance, the, the good that we want to do but we don't do, and the evil that we would not that we don't want to do, but we end up doing. In spite of those, those sins, God does not see us for the sinners that we are, for we stand in grace. We're like in that shelter from the storm as a result of Jesus. Therefore, as you go through those bad days in your life and you're struggling with the bad day blues, remember those bad days are not the result of a, an angry God getting even with you. They're the result of a loving father who's at work doing something to you, through you, and he's with you. And so uh, rejoice in the peace of God that you have in Jesus. But then boast in the glory of God. Now, you know, we don't, we talk about boasting. We're not talking about running around, you know, and, you know just being obnoxious and so on. But it's this inward thing of where... We, we glory in something. We feel good about something. And we can feel good about the glory of God. Now, when you think about the glory of God, maybe you think about Mount Sinai and the giving of the Ten Commandments, where there's the thunder, the lightning, the earthquakes, and all those things that remind God's people of his holiness and his power. 
But we can also think of Jesus as he's on the mountain of transfiguration with Moses and Elijah, and Peter, James, and John are in the audience, and they're seeing Jesus as he's glorified, glowing, gleaming, bright, you know, like the light, and so on. And that's Jesus in his glory. And it's, it's a foreshadowing of the glory to which we can look forward when we die and God takes our soul to be with him because we are going to be with him in glory. And there isn't going to be any, any more suffering. You know, <clears throat> right now probably a lot of us are, are doing our income taxes. You realize in heaven we won't have to file income taxes because we won't have to pay any. Won't that be nice? There are a lot of us who... I don't have to punch the clock, but maybe a lot of you do. And there's no clock to punch in heaven, okay? There's no tedious work, there's no boredom, there's no pain, there's no problems, you know? And, and when Jesus comes again at the end of time, and if our bodies are buried or wherever they are, he's gonna raise those bodies and glorify them, make them like his glorious body. And you think of all the things that we we have to do and to take and to undergo in order to maintain our health, you know, eyeglasses, contact lenses. Uh, Maybe you take nitro for your heart or you take insulin because you have diabetes. Maybe you have to puff on your your inhaler because you've got asthma. Maybe there are the painkillers you take because your back or your legs are, are really, really bothering you. Just think about all the things that we go through in life, physically speaking, and they're all going to be gone. And, and think of our struggles with anxiety. The Lord tells us to be not anxious about anything. But we all struggle with anxiety, don't we? That's one of the reasons we need a Savior. There isn't going to be any of that stuff. The fullness of pleasure, peace forevermore, contentment. And that's something you and I can look forward to. Several years ago, um, after our third son moved down to Mexico to a place called Guanajuato, I was talking to Professor Paul Basis from up at Martin Luther College, and he says, I've been there. And he said, I consider that to be the most beautiful city in Central America. And after he told me that, I thought, wow, I want to go there. I'm looking forward to seeing that. Just think about what God's telling us about the glory that awaits us. Look forward to that. And when you find yourself going through the bad day blues, when you're going through those times where you you, you think about, well, what next? You know, this has happened, this happened, what what next? When when you think about growing old, I, I go over to the nursing home here in town, visit nursing homes all around the area with my fellow ministers and so on, and the thought strikes me at times, because I look at those people sitting in the wheelchair, do you realize that where you are now, they once were, and where they are now, one day you may well be? And I think about that, sitting in a wheelchair. And I think about, you know, the fact that I may have to have everybody do things for me because I can't do them myself. I can't even feed myself, maybe. What, what if I, I, I can't remember anything? I don't even remember my name. And finally, I find comfort in the fact that I think to myself, but that's not forever. That's only going to be for a little while. And God has in store for us then that glory that awaits us. 
And that's something to remember as we're going through the bad day blues. We boast in the hope of the glory of God. And Paul says, just several chapters later, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. And so therefore, boast in the glory of God. Look forward to it. But then Paul says we glory in our suffering. We also glory in our sufferings, verse 3. Now, would you put a big amen to that? On the back side of the sermon card, question five. On the continuum below, you know, that's that line, with like on one side, dislike on the other, rate your like or your dislike of suffering. If you like to suffer, raise your hand. Okay. I don't see any takers here, and I'm right with you. We, we like to be in our jammies, don't we? We like to be watching the movie and having our favorite snack and our beverage and just being comfortable in life. I'm right there with you. But Jesus told us, as I pointed out before, that this is not the way life will always be. Some people look at the Apostle Paul and say he must have been some kind of masochist, where he says we glory in our suffering or we rejoice in our suffering. And, and what's wrong with this guy? But you have to remember that the Holy Spirit is inspiring the Apostle Paul to look at suffering from a different perspective than what we normally take when we think of hurt, hardship, don't like it, and so on. And Paul explains what he's talking about. He says, suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. Think of some of those scenarios where you've gone through, through times of suffering. Things have been hard. Things hurt. First time you go through them, you're thinking, oh no, how, how am I going to get through this? And you're, you're falling apart. Maybe you're whining, you're crying, you're, com you're, you're complaining about things, and you know, you, you throw a pity party for yourself each and every day you're going through these things. You're not handling them well. And you think your, your situation is hopeless. But God is with you, and God gets you through those times, and when you're through them, you know, you're thankful, you're relieved, you rejoice, but then something happens, maybe the same thing or something similar, and the next time it happens, you think, oh no, I, I don't like this, I don't want this to happen, but you've been through something hard before, and you think to yourself, you know, with God's help, I got through this before, I can get through it again. The whining, the crying, the complaining, the pity party uh, are not there, or they're not there to the same level. You, you've grown some perseverance, some stick-to-itiveness. I can get through this. Your character is changing as the Holy Spirit is working through you, not only by experience, but word and sacrament is helping. And, and you have hope. You know, God has gotten me through this before. You also think about the fact God says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. And you get through it. And, and you're a better person in the end, and God may use you to witness to others when they're going through the same, but this is what the Apostle Paul says, and this is why we glory in our suffering, because that suffering has a way of, of strengthening us and helping us and, and, and helping us to grow. 
Every person who is in high school and wants to go to college, and the parents of such a, a, a youth want their child to get a scholarship because there's just an economic advantage to a, a student getting a scholarship when they go to college. And when you get one, I think people feel good, they feel honored. But do you realize that God through the Apostle Paul is basically telling us that when he allows us to go suffer through suffering or when he sends those trials into our lives that he does in our, his love, He's giving us a scholarship to the school of spiritual growth. And he's doing it in love. He's doing it to bless us. And as he does, he's with us to help us to get through these times. He's helping us to grow to his glory and to work for our good. Therefore, when you go through those times, while on one hand you say, don't like it, don't want it, wish I could get out of this, I hope it passes soon. Remember, God's at work, giving you a scholarship, working blessings in your life, perseverance, character, hope. When it comes to the bad day blues, beat them. Rejoice in the peace of God, boast in the glory of God, glory in your sufferings, and the peace of God that passes understanding will keep your hearts and your minds through faith in Jesus to life everlasting.